0: So just so you know, we'll be in uh, 2 Corinthians 11, 23 23, uh, through 33 today. So if you want to get your Bibles open, you guys can start heading to that. We'll be there in a couple minutes. You know, I never uh, know, there's always this fine line of how when, when you preach, you don't know how people are going to take it. You always want to be faithful to what God wants. Uh, today uh, was, is heavy. And today was uh, hard for me this week. Uh, so just so you know, it was one of those that is really processing uh, how, do you, how you live, what your uh, lifestyle is. So we're in the disciple makers um, series still, but today's going to be dealing with lifestyle. And we talked last week a lot about leading up to what life groups, how does that affect our life and what do we do? Uh, Today was just, it's just a heavy when you, uh, to be honest. Next week's family Sunday, so it'll be lighter. So I'm sorry you showed up on this Sunday, Uh, next next Sunday, Uh, as certain weeks uh, go, but I, I want to preach this well. I don't want to sugarcoat it. I think a lot of times people love being sugarcoating it, and it's, it's not. It's raw. It's real. It is not, it's not the G-rated movie that uh, sometimes we always want to make it. And sometimes when I am talk this way, it should affect our lives. It should sharpen us. I want us to continue. We were on Life Groups. Uh, I want us to continue to talk about what discipleship is and what our definition is. And discipleship is intentionally equipping believers with the word of God through accountable relationships empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to replicate faithful followers of Christ. That is replicating, that's replication of continuing to do that, but it's intentionally intentional. And we've discussed this, but we have to keep this at the forefront of what we're called to do as believers. We're called to do this, and a disciple is a devout follower of, God, of Jesus, and I, I use the word in uh, apprentice a lot. It's someone that is, is, is underneath someone, and so that is the process we're going to be going through uh, today. We're going to be looking uh, at Paul today in 2 Corinthians, okay? So before we get into the scripture, uh, I'm a little bit of background, a little bit of background. So... The background is, is Corinthians needs to be understood in the historical light uh, back, in background that basically Paul had three visits to Corinth, four letters to the church, and he had three travel plans. So this is some place that he knew, you know. Paul also, during his second missionary journey, his visit to Corinth lasted 18 months. So he was there for a year and a half. On his third missionary journey, he ministered uh, uh, in Ephesus for two years. And all during this time, he during this time, he continued to receive reports that there was a problem with the Corinthians church. So he had heard that there's some issues. Okay? There have been people in opposition to Paul. So there's this issue that needs to be dealt with, so that's why he responds by writing letters to address the issue. You know, we think a lot of times in our day, well, I'll go down there and I'll handle the situation. It's a it's a different travel plan than we do with, with cars, and we can't get his place as quickly. So letters were huge to be able to communicate uh, what's going on. Um. So, Paul even planned to travel down there, planned to travel at some point. Well, he ends up finding out that, basically, Timothy writes him that it's worse off. There have been opponents basically attacking Paul and his character and who he is, and there's issues going on, so Paul basically has to go deal with it right away. So, Paul goes down there, and it does not go well, does not go well at all. It's basically a disaster, He experiences a lot of personal attacks uh, from his opponents uh, at the church, and basically the church gives him no support whatsoever and at all. So we're sort of in this dealing with what's going in to 2 Corinthians is meant to be a defense of Paul's ministry in light of the opposition against him. So Paul, Paul is writing because now he's got to defend himself. Because now these people are saying, Paul, why are we? we following Paul's teaching? What are we doing? So there is this little battle happening, basically, for the soul of the church in Corinthians. Let's read through it, and we'll discuss of how Paul handles this and what this looks like. So 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 through 33 says this, Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at the sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. "'Besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all the churches, "'who is weak, and I do not feel weak, "'who is led into sin, and I do not inwardly burn. "'If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. "'The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, "'knows that I am not lying.'" In Damascus, the governor under King Aris had the city of the Damascus guard in order to arrest me. But I was lowered in a basket from the window in the wall and slipped through his hands. In verses leading up to this, basically he's talking about, let no one think of me as a fool that I may boast. So there's sarcasm and hesitancy to promote himself. Paul, This is not something that Paul really wants to do. Paul would love to be talking about Jesus, being able to share about Jesus, being able to talk about Jesus, but he has to prove himself against this opposition. What is unique in this opposition is that the opposition is coming from a different perspective. It's coming from the perspective of power. Basically saying that if we follow... God, this way, basically, things will be easier for you. And Paul is basically saying, I will earn my stripes by showing you my weakness and my pain and God's power. There's, a, there's this reverse mindset. Let's go through this. It says right here, um, it says, I will work much harder here when we're talking in verse 23. Paul is saying that he is a minister of Christ because he has worked harder than any of the other apostles. He's making a contrast to, the, to these other opposition people uh, to solve being a minister of Christ as a matter of privilege. So in their minds, the opposition's peoples, in their minds, uh, the less you should have to work uh, and the more the other should serve you. So basically they're ministering. The more you minister, the less you actually should do and the other should actually serve you because now you're raising up to a position of power. Man, how many times is that like in America today? The the higher up you do, the less you have to do. Like that is our culture, right? That's the way we think. Paul is not attacking it that way. Paul saying, no, I, I had to work harder and I'm still working. These are, this is my... My setup. Man, and he talks about being in prison. So it goes, I work harder, been in prison more frequently. He's been in prison multiple times. There's only one, and this is what's great about the Bible. There's only like one time that it talks about Paul being in in the prison. But there's multiple times, you know, well, like in, in in this scenario. It's that there's multiple times. There's probably even stories, and this is what I love about the Bible, there's stories that we haven't even heard, that we don't even know, that one day I can't wait to find out. Like, there's, the Bible is so much more dense than we give it credit for. It's so beautiful. But as I was looking at this, I was like, what does my life do compared to contrast? We're only one in, and Paul's already talking, uh, my, I, you wanna fo- I, I follow Jesus, I've been in prison. What it's like you stand up for the faith. There there's a there's a dynamic. A lot of us are, oh I, I stand up for Jesus. I don't watch that Netflix show. Woo. Like the dynamic is really different. Like we still want to protect ourselves and, and live this way. But are we willing to are we really willing a lot of us are like, oh yeah, I die for Jesus. Well, are you willing to go to prison for them? Would you be willing to? We we always hold Paul and and these people up in high regard, but their lives looked and different than ours. And this is why it hit hard. Is because like, am I willing to live like that? Now I, I get there's different uh, seasons. Like there's even in the scripture there's peace on the land and there's different seasons, but like, is my heart willing to sacrifice it all? That is a question that we have to continue. He was flogged more severely. He was flogged, and this is why they did it. And a lot of times, flogged, the, the, there was a rule that you could only be flogged 40 times, okay? Well, they, they did minus one, you know, because they were, it wasn't because they were nice. They did it because just in case they miscounted. If they missed one, they didn't want to be wrong. They didn't want to have they didn't want to have to do it. He was flogged multiple times, severely. Then it goes into, he was pelted with stones. He's been shipwrecked night and day in the open sea on the move for the gospel. And just so you know, in the ancient world, it was hard to move around. It was hard to travel. So moving was a big deal, being on the sea and all that. we ride in first class, Are <laughs> we ride in nice cars, or we want this. Paul's moving for the gospel. This is, this is a taking a toll on his body. This is in stark contrast to a lot of what the opposition is saying. It's like, oh, you're li- you live this way, it works out for you. What's great is Paul doesn't stop there. He keeps going. There's just dangers after dangers, dangers from rivers, dangers from bandits, and muggers were one of the most dangerous aspects during that time. Dangers from other fellow Jews, from Gentiles, in the city, in the country, and then at the sea, and from other false believers, even people that he thought were their brothers, there's dangers from. Hmm. Yep. Good question. Mm-hmm. Um, also, he's gone without sleep. He's known hunger and thirst, and he's been cold and naked. And this is really interesting, because today, most of us don't have those issues. Most of us, if We get upset when our our air conditioner is out, and we'll have someone out by the next week. You know, we can self-esteem. We don't don't have to deal with this as much. Paul's talking and showing this kind of stuff. This is what I'm going through. So I want us to get a, a sort of a different idea, perspective of what living out this Christianity looks like. Because I love what Guzik's commentary talks about The main question is, how could Paul be happy? How could Paul be happy in this kind of stuff? And the commentary says this. Because he had died to himself. Because Paul could say, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in, the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself to me. Because of this, Paul could practice what he actually preached and what he wrote. We also glorify in tribulations from Romans 5.3. This wasn't just spiritual talk from Paul. He really lived it. I think sometimes when we talk about actually living this life, how do we live it? There is a difference between us trying to Oh, I'm going to do this because I want to try to. And then there's a difference because I am dead and Christ is in me. Christ is doing this in me. And I'm going to live for that. And so that is what we have to wrestle with. So most of the opposition, the Christians, Corinthians, who had bought into those worldly lies, most of them think that Paul is crazy. Paul is out of his mind for having to go through all these hardships because they don't see or they don't really understand of what Paul's going through to them. For them, and I think sometimes for us, that they see hardships in the life, and they basically think, God is not with me. I am weak. I am helpless. I'm not happy. My life is too hard. They could only see the glory of God in the image of power and success. We can't fall into that trap. We can't fall into the trap of like, hey, when I'm successful, God is with me. And when I am low, God is not. We fall into that so many times that, oh, man, I had a good Bible study. I had a good week. God is with me. This week was bad. My, my, My cat's missing. God doesn't love me. What? Like, how easily the world lies fall into us. Like, how easily? I was persecuted. Or I, was, uh, I stood up for my faith and people didn't like me. Like, we get scared of that. Paul's saying, I did that every day. I'm living that every day. Just because your life is going well or it's not going well does not mean where, what your rock is on. It's on Jesus and you need to live that way and you need to be willing to walk in that kind of way no matter what stones get thrown at you reading against this backdrop i really talked a, a lot of uh, i really felt is my life has been so blessed of course i've had hardships but my life has nowhere been where i've been in prison or nowhere where I've I've suffered in those kind of ways. And how should I change my my what I do? We are called not to live worldly, but we battle with that all the time. And Paul is not done. Paul also had so much pressure and I just want to uh, point this out is Paul loves the church. Like, he talks about this at the end. He has a passion and a desire for the people of the church. It would have been really easy for him to give up on that church. Because he's got other churches going on, correct? Like, that opposition, like, I don't have time for that. I don't have that. He had to go battle and actually go against the opposition. There was a struggle there. Because the reason why he did it is because he loved the church. Here's the question. Do you love so much, some people so much in your life that you're willing to go against opposition uh, to save their soul? Are you loving them so much that you're willing to have conversations that are difficult? Are you willing to suffer consequences in your life as you continue to live it out? Because a lot of us like love the celebration of, oh yeah, that person found Jesus and we love it. Well, how did they get there? Because you probably had to go through it with them there has to be a point and so we have to wrestle with this i love clark's commentary about paul he says this he goes i will not post uh, uh, this, this is basically paul i will not post of my natural or acquired powers neither in what god has done uh by me but rather in what i have suffered for him so in verse 32 in Damascus, we're talking about uh, Paul being lowered through a, bas- a basket. Then, you know, Saul comes in as a man with authority and some power because he's hunting down Christians, right? You've got to think of the full story of Paul. Paul is coming in. He's got authority. He's coming in, and he's chasing Christians down. How's he leave? Through a basket out a window, how humbling! How much of a character shift just by the story in itself? Paul has now had to be in a position. There had to be some life change in between there, like to be able to, to be lowered out, to trust in God to provide because he no longer he has lost his man of We have to realize that. Are we living by man's standards or are we living by God's standards? And too many times we want to live by the worldly standards because that is what gives us our authority. That's what gives us our power. That's what gives us our, like, oh, this is what makes me look good. This is what. But God sees this. You know, one of my favorite, I just saw a picture. Um, it's like, um, it basically shows of, like, hey, what people post on Instagram. You know, uh, and if you don't have Instagram, maybe you know Facebook. Some of you way old people, there was MySpace. And some of you way back there were like old photos. Um, So when you look back, there's like, I saw it though on Instagram, and it has a mirror, and it goes, what the world sees. And it's just an apple. It's an apple, so the apple looks beautiful. But behind it, you see someone's taking a bite out, and no one sees that. And I think sometimes for the world, we want to give off this appearance of, like, we have it all together. Everything is good. Everything is when actually there's, there's junk. There's a mess. You know, like, even, we, I, I want my girls to behave. I want my girls. It's chaos at home sometimes. I don't, I don't love showing that. I don't love the, the chaos of, like, oh, my goodness, like, we got to be out in 30 seconds or we're late. You're never watching TV again. No, like... It's like the chaos of what is going on. And that, but God sees that, and God is part of that. And it's like, but do we allow that to happen when it could really hurt us in the sense that it's all for Christ? That we could show our flaws because God healed this in my life. We get scared to do that. But Paul's saying our weakness is actually God's strength. So I got three points, as you can tell, about the discipleship lifestyle that comes from three major sources. And the first one is God's word. A couple of verses that you can write down is Psalms 119:11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And Hebrews 4. Twelve. It says, "For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the the thoughts and intentions of the that hear." Jesus had changed Paul's life forever. The word of God, basically, had Paul wrote most of it, but it had also changed the way he lived. He knew the whole Old Testament. Paul had known it, Paul had done it, and then all of a sudden he saw Jesus fulfill it. And it radically changed his life. Are you letting the word radically change your life? Or are you letting the news radically change your life? Are you letting social media radically change your life? Are you letting friends radically change your life? Are you letting non-friends, work people, what is radically changing your life? Is it the word of God? Is it prayer? Is it this or is it the other things? I will tell you that's the battle. There is a battle. And it's battling for your time. And the hard thing, too, it's battling for your children. It's battling for your friends. That is the battle. What is and what will be the rock on which you stand? The second thing God's will. I think God's will for your life. Paul knew God's will. When he walked in one way and he had to be laid out another way, he started to know his will had changed. His will coming in was to basically persecute Christians. Now all of a sudden, he's, his will was to tell everyone about Jesus. The will had changed so many times and especially in our culture today it's blindly it's saying we have our own will for our life live the way you want do it if you can't see that today what are we doing like it is out there it's like you do you you know those simple it sounds innocent but it's so corrupt you know why my heart's corrupt. Your heart's corrupt. It's flesh. It is in the flesh. And that's the battle. But what is God's will for your life? Have you actually sat on that? Have you prayed on that? Now, I know there's different people in here. We have younger to older, and some people are at different stages. I I get that. But I would still encourage you, if you have breath in your lungs, God has a plan for you. God's got a a heartbeat for you, God. The will, your will is not God's will is not done with you. And if you're young, God's got a plan for you. Don't miss it. And have you sat and wrestled with that, or do you go on to the next thing without actually seeking God's will? And not everything's the same. Like there's pastors, there's teachers, there's people that uh, stay at home. There's people that. Uh, that go witness around the world. There's people, but what is God's will for your life? It comes from this first. Okay? Sometimes we just go, oh, I have a feeling. (laughs) I've had a lot of feelings, and it ain't the will of God. And I know you as well. What is God's will for your life? And we need to pursue that. A quote from John Piper, and like I said, sometimes when I quote people, uh, it doesn't mean I agree with one hundred percent what they say or whatever. But I want to give them their due because I think this leads actually to really strong. It says there is a great gulf between the Christianity that wrestles to whether to worship at the cost of imprisonment and death, and the Christianity that wrestles with whether the kids should play soccer on Sunday morning. There is a gulf between how to live. And I think us, we like to live like, you know, like, fine, we won't have our kids play soccer. or We won't have them do basketball because they'll go to church. Like it's some huge badge of honor. You're welcome, God. Look what I did for you. Like, really? Really? That's, that's what we give up? Are we willing to give up everything? It's a lot, and I'll tell you, from a personal perspective, there were de- when I was single, felt a lot more bold. Get married, still bold,, Remember, but now I got feel like, oh, protection, kids like that the seeps in like, oh, I gotta you know what how do I protect or how do I play it safe sometimes. Being wise is is good, but am I living in this? Am I really a person that is saying, like, my family's on the line for you, God? That's a lot harder, because sometimes people can do it, oh, yeah, I'm I'm for you, but I'm willing to sacrifice what's most important to me, because right now, my family's more important than me. It's like, am I willing to lay it on the line for you and that, God? I don't know what that is for you. You know? And I love hearing stories because some of your family's traveling around the world and trying to spread the gospel and doing this kind of stuff, and you support them, and your heart still longs for them, still loves them, but you're willing because you know that that's what God's will for their life is. So amen to that. Keep on doing that. I know it's not easy, but it's what God's will is for us. And the final thing, the final point is God's wow. And the reason why I put that is this Holy Spirit. The supernatural, the, it's bigger than us. There is a battle between flesh and the Holy Spirit. And it is battling over you. Don't let the flesh win. Don't let the flesh win. And you can't do it by yourself. You need the Spirit of the Holy Spirit. You need the Scripture to win Because you need to know it. Like sometimes we're like, oh, if I just try real hard, it's the Holy Spirit has to win. But it's a constant battle. There's no days off. It's even on Sunday. It doesn't like, okay, flesh is off. All right, I'll see you on Monday. Like it is always constant. It is always a battle. And just because something seems easier does not mean that that's from the Holy Spirit. I want to sort of wrestle with Paul just because you get a position of power. Actually, right before here, I just got a text from one of my friends in Florida who said he didn't take a job. And the job was high-position job and wasn't there. But through reading a scripture and taking time, he knew that it wasn't what God had for his life. It would actually take away from him. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to give up your job for that? Are you willing to give up relationships for that? What are you willing to give up? There is a battle, and we have to rest into the Holy Spirit, God's wow, stuff that sometimes we don't understand or comprehend why he would do that. J.C. Ryle says this, Do nothing that you would not like God to see. Say nothing that you would not like God to hear. Write nothing you would not want like God to read. Go no place where you would like, uh, not like God to find you. Read no book, and I added, or no movie of which you would not like God to say, show me that. It's, saying, it's basically saying you are battling for your heart. You are in constant battle for your heart. And will, like we go back earlier, what influences that? What directs that? Does the Bible direct that, or do, uh, what, does movies direct that, or does the internet or whatever direct that? Here's a shocker, the internet isn't right about everything. But what do we go to? Uh, This is the world. We Google it. We do this. And all of a sudden, I am telling you, it is already changing facts, and it is changing things that are off, because this isn't the foundation. Yes, it's great if you want to know how to put an engine together. It has its use. But I am telling you, the youth of the world and the people are going to that more than this. And that's why generations are lost. You have to continue to be the generation that holds this up. I don't care how old you are. And we have to be able to be able to be willing to risk it and lose it all. For the truth. This is why it hurt, because it is convicting. Because sometimes we like to live in that balanced world. We're like, yeah, I got this. And, and, and we are blessed. And thank God for that. And we want to give praise to God for that. But also, am I willing to sacrifice it all for His glory? What am I willing to live out? Paul was not saying this out of pride, he was saying this because he loved the church so much, he wanted to share people, show people how to live are we willing to live I encourage you in many ways are you willing to sacrifice and risk total shame from friends and neighbors for sharing the gospel with them Are you willing to be able to say that person's weird Someone calls you crazy, weird, because you love so much and you live differently. Like, what is your lifestyle? Today, as you, as you think about that, is this your lifestyle? Or have you let some of what Western culture or Eastern culture, doesn't, that doesn't matter, worldliness, enter and go against this in your life? So many times, people are all the time trying to go uh, uh, left versus right and up versus down and math versus science, whatever. Like everyone wants these different battles, and I'm telling you, it is a spiritual battle. They're all It's a spiritual battle that we're having. And are you willing to wrestle with it and go with it and willing to be on the side of being in prison, being mugged? being in different situations, because it's what God wants for your life. But on those three things, you got is it God's word influencing your life? Is it God's will where you know where you're going? Know where you're directed because it's God's will has shown it. We talked downstairs in Sunday school. David knew God's will. He was supposed to lead the people. And that was his will for his life, and he would do it at any cost. And then do we have the gift and pleasure to have the Holy Spirit in us? Do we listen to it? As the band comes up to sing the last song, I just want to continue to challenge us in the sense of, and I would continue to read Paul. I think it's, it's great, but I would continue to challenge us, what does our life look like? Are we, are we all the way in? Are we just, whatever. I feel a lot of times we like to tip our toe in. Have you ever seen the kid where it's always testing the water at the pool? Like, uh, okay, that's cold. Mom, no, no, I'm just testing the pool. Just whatever. But you know, the feet are the, the feet are the, they get warm pretty quick. You know, you can handle that or whatever. It's usually right around the stomach area in cold water where you're like, okay, okay, because you can feel it in your heart, right? Like, I, at least maybe I'm the only one, but I can feel it in my heart. Like, it's the cold water, like, okay, whew, here we go, here we go. And then you have to go all the way under. I'm challenging us to be a church that goes all the way under. I don't even want to settle for here because that's what we like to do a lot of times oh that person he's only at his knees (laughs) sucker it's like we start judging we start looking at other people and we're not where we're supposed to be i'm saying that's not what god called us to be he called us to be all the way in all the way under where all of a sudden then you know what's really cool it's about two minutes after you're all the way in you don't feel it anymore because it's the way you live it's the way it is. It's now become a part of you. It's now natural. Yeah, it's different. It's not, but you're in it now. And now when you get out, oh, this is good. Now when you get out of God's word, you get cold. And you want to get back in. Because now you're away from what is actually right and true. It's a beautiful example of living it out. That's what I'm calling it to be. There is that awkwardness. There's this weirdness. But we have to be all the way in. It's not easy, but I'm asking us, be all the way in. Don't settle for even net. Don't settle for feet. Don't settle for anything short. What a glorious and awesome God we serve. Let's praise him now. Will you stand?